Welcome to episode 286 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 286 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm very good, Bevan. We're in a different studio today and the setup is, is, isn't the sharpest. No, there's not going to be a little inter- eye, eye, eye interaction here. We're not looking at each other, we're sort of cuddled up looking at my computer I'm sitting screen. beside John, side on. I've got the microphone holding in my hand, old school kind of position. Yes. John's set up well in his desk, he's got a comfortable position and I'm, yeah, I think I've been shafted. Yeah, you have. Yeah. <laughs> When yeah, it's my my house. I play by my rules. My rules, my bet, my ball. I'm going playing by my rules. Okay, John. Um, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. Check them out for the greatest coffee in the world. Athletics.com. Check out your results and all the things that you're doing great as an athlete. And extreme endurance. And the lactic, lactic buffer buffer. Jeez, I'm all over the place for your racing performance. And training performance, John. Okay, well, in this week's show, we've got a bit of news. We've got an age group of the week. We've got a high five. I saw that. We've got a bit of technique stuff. Yes, well, I oft, uh, high fives often come through my own experiences, and it's a little bit on deep water starts. You know, obviously, I, I raced last weekend and uh, thought, there we go, a few tips I can bring up there. Okay, then we've got a website of the week, and we have questions and answers at the end. So the first piece of news this weekend was Ironman Arizona. And to be honest, John thought they must be short because he was surprised by the times. Oh, I, didn't, no, I didn't say they were short. I, oh, come I, on, you I, put it on Facebook. Was it short? On, I put, no, I put it on Facebook, was there any course changes? Because uh, often often we sort of jump the gun. We say, oh, amazingly fast times or amazingly slow times, and then they, you know, they may have changed the course. But um, nobody sort of replied that they had changed the course. So it just seemed like a very, very fast day. Uh, and we've seen Nicolanis. It must be the first man to go sub eight in North America. No, that happened a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? I don't know. Well, they're saying it's a record, so maybe he must have beaten. But I'm sure somebody. Well, maybe, uh, maybe you mean you're probably. There right. was an Ironman very, very, very recently where somebody went eight hours uh, sub eight hours. We'll, we'll come back to you on that in a moment. Um, but Nico Lanos uh, had quite a battle though with Paul Amy, um, which is for a lot of people who go, "Who the hell is Paul Amy?" Um, but he is one of those guys who has got all the talent. Uh, he's 38, um, but he's been around. Or he's it's been around. Isn't he? He's a Kiwi who's um, lived in Australia but races for Great Britain, so okay. he's sort of tried it all. Incredibly talented athlete. I think he won a world duathlon title. He got second one year to Simon Lessing at the World Short Course Champs in Lausanne, which must have been about 98 or something like that. Incredibly talented. Hasn't really had a great Ironman. He's been plugging away at it for a while. But uh, to give you guys an idea on how fast a runner he is, he's run like... Pretty sure he's run about a 63 minute um, half marathon. Oh, really? It's so he's a sensational yeah, runner, yeah, okay. and uh, he's just good all around the board. And he, he's basically come, came in the same era as Cameron Brown, and uh, he gave gave Nate, uh, Nico Lannis a really good run of it. So everybody, the, the top guys were sort of coming out in 48 minutes 47. So that's what Nico Lannis did. There was um, some guys that came out a bit quicker than that. Stefan Poulet, um, and then Nico rode 4:20 and ran 2:46 for 7:59:38. Nice. He's had a pretty good year other than Kona. You know, he won Texas. He's won yeah. this one now as well. He's had a pretty decent season, hasn't he? And the, and the year before, he won uh, Abu Dhabi. So. And he's won Xterra a few times. So he's kind of been consistent over the last few years. There was a period where he was kind of going to be the next big thing when he won Germany. But it kind of hasn't really reached that level in Kona. But it's good to see him having some good results, isn't it? Well, he, he, hasn't, he, he gave Crowey that big scare one year in Kona and, and got pretty close to, to taking it out. Well, um, that was year he won Germany, Germany wasn't it? Mm, yeah. So we'll see, you know, Kona... I think, you know, I think always we go into Kona and there's, uh, you know, you maybe pick about 10 guys out of the hat that could potentially win it, and uh, and he's one of those guys. So what happened on the girls' side of things? Well, since, hold on, we've got to talk oh. about Paul Amy. So what actually happened in the race? Because we, we don't do what Macca says. We don't just look at results. No, John, I never do. We, uh, we, we want to tell the story of the race, but... Apparently, what happened was Paul Amy really um, took it, uh, took the lead on the run, and uh, but couldn't open a big gap. But uh, uh, mate, Batman, um, Batman, Batman, Batman. Who did I give the name Batman to? Uh, I don't know. Remember we were in, um, in Kona. Come on, help me out here. Throw, throw me a bone. I, I, I don't even know what 
you talking Miranda about? Miranda Carfrey's boyfriend, Tim O'Donnell. Oh, Tim O'Donnell. So Why do you call him Batman? Um, because I thought... Oh, that's um, right. It was an appalling effort. That's right. Because you thought Timothy O'Donnell was the guy who played Batman. Yeah. But it was the guy who played Robin, and I don't think it was even Timothy O'Donnell. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I, I called him, so, I called him so, Batman. But, you go to him, you go, do you always get Batman? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was, he was lead, leading, off the, leading off the bike and took a bit of a... Uh, Gave it a really good nudge and then uh, exploded. Blue. And uh, mm. Paul Amy, he took up the, the, the ropes at one stage, apparently got a bit of a lead. And then Nico Lanos put the burners in, uh, apparently like in the last two miles, and got a bit of a gap on Paul. And then um, Paul came back at him and got within five seconds and then couldn't quite make it and it was boom. And, and he obviously up. blew because he got another minute and a half, two minutes on him, yeah. didn't he? So. so Paul Amy, uh, to be honest, if he rocked up at Kona one year, got on the podium, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Oh, really? Yeah. Probably a bit late now. Well, we, we, we thought Macca was going to be too old over yeah. the hill. We thought Crow was going to be over yeah. the hill. He yeah, we could, were the next level athletes. He is the type of guy who could pull it out on the day. He was in my team in France one year, so I know him reasonably well. Uh, Victor Zemensev was third place in 8.14, so quite a big gap back to those guys. But nice. uh, just good to see some more guys going sub-8. And then the girls' side of things? The girls' side was interesting because uh, I watched. Uh, I was just watched a little bit of the live blogging updates because, again, I don't look at results. I look no, at, I, John, I you, you want to know the story, don't you? And um, Leander Cave, uh, I saw the initial results. I thought, oh, she's just going to smoke them all. Um, but she was like eight minutes behind or something early in the bike, and I thought, because she's raced the world long-distance champs. Maybe she's what, tired. Tired. And yeah. just sort of uh, flagging, maybe just go out there, get a few points, and want it not even finish. But then she started clawing her way back, and apparently, what had happened, she um, she fell over coming out of the swim, and then she got a puncture before, either before she started the ride. What, what's happening on my roof up there, Ben? Oh, focus, <laughs> focus on the show. Focus. <laughs> it's pretty funny. John's got these magazines, obviously, old triathlon magazines, yes. and he's got these magazine holders, which just what's the point? Falling to pieces. <laughs> Falling to pieces. Oh, I might take a photo and put that up on the website. There's some gold up there, I tell you. Um, oh. I've got some old stuff up there. It'd be pretty cool to pull out one day. Oh. But anyway, um, yeah, apparently she had a, a horrific start to the day and uh, and clawed her way back so she, um, very, very well. Swam 52, bike 451, and ran 258 for an 849. Nice. Which it's is a smoking. sensational yeah, time. Especially when you consider she's raced Kona, she's raced world long distance try champs which didn't end up being a duathlon which was only a couple of weeks ago yeah, yep. and then she's had all these horrific starts to the day you know, well, you know what? She's, she's really come on this year hasn't she yeah. you know she's always been kind of there I remember wrote when we were in Rote she was always there or thereabouts but this year she's really kind of took it to the next level hasn't she she's only 33 she's been around for ages yeah. um, and we've got to remember she, she was a very good short course athlete uh, and she won a world a world title at a short distance through, through um, basically being a, having a sensational swim bike and then hanging on the runs. So good for her. And then um, Lindsay Corbin, who hasn't done too much of late, uh, came through really nicely for second, also went sub nine, um, 8.54.33. And Meredith Kessler, 14 seconds off breaking the uh, nine-hour barrier. She'll be gutted about that. Um, so good racing on the girls' side of things. One thing I did think I noticed yesterday was... Uh, the first age grouper was John. You should Scott. No, I did. Scott Bow. Yep. And he did nine hours in one second. Oh. <laughs> That's because I just somehow that popped up yesterday. I think I, you must have ran up the finishing shoot and saw that you, he must he must have gone for the sprint. He must have done. Surely, because normally a finishing shoot is what hundred meters, yeah. or fifty meters, something like that. You kind of turn up, you see what's in front of you. He must have seen it. He must have put the foot down. Gutted. Oh, Tim O'Donnell finishing, and he faded on the run too. That's not, you know, he only ran a three seventeen, so he must have either been a slightly weaker runner relative to is that how good he is in yep. the other sports? And uh, gutted, One second, nine that hours. breaks your heart. Okay, yes. John, what else is happening? So I normally do what's happening, and you've taken control. Yeah, well, Ultraman's you're, coming up. You're looking around my room, looking at my magazines. Well, it's because I'm not in control. Uh, Ultraman's coming up. I'm the this feeder weekend. man. And uh, so Ultraman is the one which is held in Hawaii. And, uh, it's a three-day event. Three days. So first day you do um, the double swim and part of the bike. Second day you do a big kick-ass bike. And third day you do the double marathon. Um, what I find interesting about this race, and we probably talk about this each year, is to, to actually do the race, you either have to be, they only have 40 slots, and you have to either be, have done the race before, or you have to have gone and done Ultraman Canada, and it's all by very much by invitation sort of. Only. Oh, really? So, so you can't you can't just turn up. You can't just go right. I want to go do do this race. You sort of got to. You've got to have done Ultraman Canada. How many people do Ultraman Canada? Don't know. 
Yeah, to be honest, yeah, that's why it's, no, it's, it's certainly a prestigious one. You know, there's, Canada there's, there's, there's an Ultraman sort of world circuit type thing, and, and Ultraman oh, is Canada it? is yeah. Well, there's, there's, a, there's an organising body that sort of affiliate the races and try to call something the world champs every year. There's no money or anything in it, but um, yeah. Oh, I, see, I thought Ultraman was just the Hawaii thing. I never no, knew there no, was there's, there's doubles and triples and deckers all over the place. Not all over the place. Oh, but there's, okay. there's quite a few. Okay, so it's 1,500 bucks to enter. Yeah, which, two support crew. So I wonder how much support they actually give it give out. You obviously they organise the race, but you've got to have your own support crew. So it's not like there's aid stations everywhere. Um, so 1,500 bucks to enter, and uh, current course record holders back from 1998, Holger Spiegel in 21 hours 41 minutes and 22 seconds and last year we saw a really good battle on the girls between Hilary Biscay and Amber Monfort and Kirsten Armstrong another girl um, and Amber Monfort's got the record at 24 hours and 7 seconds so that's coming up this weekend to be honest Ultraman's really about the third days and it's the run that would be the killer Usually, yeah. Usually, yeah. 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 Okay, uh, we've got Iron Man Ford Cosmo Cozumel coming up this weekend, and we're having a quick look at last year's results. And we've got Andy Potts took it out in eight fifteen, and Yvonne Van Vlerken came in in a nine oh seven. And uh, you've actually got the fields up for this year's race. I have done a piece. Uh, Erica Choma, I think she raced at the weekend as well. She's just cranking up all the, the events at the moment. She's on there, but I think Yvonne Van Vlerken is on paper the strongest athlete there. You've got Sonia. Tussic, um, who might um, mount a bit of a challenge, um, but I think you know Yvonne's by far the, the strongest there, and uh, so we'll see what rolls out. We're at the boys. Boys side of things. Um, I am picking Matthias Hecht to take this one out. Uh, I think he's uh, he's down there, and you've got Chris McDonald as well, yep. a- Axel Zeebrook. So I'm going Matthias Hecht. Chris Joel McDonald? I didn't know there was a Joel in there. <laughs> I'm going Matthias Hecht first, Chris McDonald second, Axel Zeebrook in third place. No. I don't think he's going to get anywhere. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh. There you go. Yeah. Well, who, who do you think is going to win, Bevan? I think Chris McDonald. How do you think Michael Lovato is going to do? He's going second. Okay. Yep. There we Put go. Put it down now. Lock, it in. Lock your mortgage on it. There we go. Okay, what else is happening? Um, so I'm normally looking here. John's ITU update. So, I put... Okay, so wait a second. So last weekend... The problem is Kiwis don't understand that the race isn't as important as people thought it was. So they've been getting a lot of PR in New Zealand about oh, this race. Yeah, but that's because at the time of the year as well. There's no other sport on at the moment. You know, you sort of if rugby's finished, cricket hasn't started. There's not a lot happening at this time of the year, so it's perfect timing. And for people outside New Zealand, like this event got massive coverage. Oh know? yeah, yeah. It was like it wasn't it wasn't even just the first thing on the sport. They even had a news segment on it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, so it was live on our main TV station, uh, free to air TV. Yeah. Um, um, got a lot of pr- coverage in the build-up, and they just did a sensational job. So it's right in downtown Auckland. Um, you, you know, the bike course is all through the CBD. It was an absolute killer hard bike course. Is it that? The guys that I've spoken to said it's the hardest bike course I've ever done because it was so technical. You never really had more than, say... I don't know, a 400-metre stretch where you're actually going in a straight line. Oh, you're really? just constantly turning or going up a hill. Yeah, uh, did you guys do the same course? No, 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 not at all. No. <laughs> Jeez, no. And, and uh, it was fantastic racing, on, especially the guys' race was fantastic because there was a number of groups that formed. You know, the swim got fairly well spread out, breakaway got on, and then there was sort of two or three packs behind them, and, the, and then one of the packs merged, and Bevan Doherty merged across the group, and there was some attacking, and then... Gemmel and the guy that I coach actually got off the front and, uh, nice. and just, just he, he was loving it. Uh, <laughs> he got a lot of TV coverage. It was fantastic. <laughs> did, um, he, um, did he do all right in the run? Uh, he faded pretty badly, but he still finished I think uh, 18th, um, which is which is a good result for him. But just the coverage he got out of it was awesome. He's um, a very strong swim biker. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, so Gimmel took it out? Gimmel took it out. They got a break on the bike, and then he broke uh, again from the, from the breakaway, and he had a, a comfy one-minute lead coming off the bike. Bev, a bit of team tactics going on, because Bevan Doherty was sort of holding the, the second group up. Because what was really important, and I talk about this quite often, is the points side of things. They needed Gimmel to get points. New Zealand needed to get points, but specifically Gimmel needed to get points in order to make sure that New Zealand moves up the rankings and we get three athletes. Um, oh, so, so Bevan actually was working in his favour. Yeah, definitely. And, and and Tom was working for him as well on the bike, just just burying it because um, for New Zealand it was really really important that he had a strong race. Uh, but was that race that important? Yes, because it's it's a bit like um, that the ranking system in, in WTC. You know, you've got your your higher points races. You know, your, your, your top series, and then you have got second series. And this was probably this is a second series race. Yep. So for winning this, I don't know what place you would get 
if you were to do a top series race, but it's still really good points. So uh, it's going to just shoot Chris up the rankings um, quite a bit. And uh, so, it's, so it's really, really important. So but definitely was, was team the tactics. field that strong? There were some really good guys there. It's, um, it's a bit like a, a second tier Ironman. You have yep. a handful of guys um, that are really good. But the thing with this race is the, the guys that are really good, like Laurent Vidal and Ivan Rana, who are both sensational athletes, they missed the, missed the breakaway. So that was a shutout. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really good field. I think what surprised me is when you're standing there at the start and you realise how international the sport is at that um, oh, Olympic. Just, yep. It was just athletes from every single different country all over the place. Um, so it's Guam. Guam, nobody from Guam, but like Chinese Taipei, all the European, all the countries in, in Europe, nobody, no from Guam, nobody from Guatemala, <laughs> okay. but Guatemala. quite a few from South America. You know, you get plenty of Brazilians and um, yep. Mexicans and things like that. So, um, so it's got universal appeal, John, except it does. for Guam. So again, we'll took it out. Um, Bevan Doherty uh, ran pretty comfortably for second, and I think uh, Laurent ran. What about the girls? Girls, so I think it was, that was a bit of a shout out for Andrea Hewitt. She it's just, just dominated, dominated her, didn't she? because there should have been some girls that were going to do some. Um, some work on the on the bike, and, and I thought they might really attack her, but they didn't even get into the picture. So she just she just crushed them all. Oh, really? Um, age group race. If anybody, if any of you out there are looking at doing um, the, worlds. Yeah, the worlds, strongly recommend this course for the age group. So wait a second. Now, will you be doing the course that the pros did, or will you be no. doing? We do. We do. It's a it's a, it's a two lap bike course, um, and it's just got a bit for everybody. You know, it's yep. got some hills in it. It's got some technical descents. And it's got um, some flat on it, so you kind of get a bit for everybody. Very, very fair course. Uh, really, really nice. And the run is uh, runs flat, um, but but goes through some really cool areas. And it's just a downtown race, like you probably won't get anywhere else in the world. Maybe Sydney, maybe a, a bit, bit similar to Sydney, but you get you to run past all the bar areas and stuff. So very cool race. So if you're considering looking at an IT, uh, ITU World Short Course Champs event, um, and this is going to be the World Champs finale next year. It's, uh, it's well worth looking Locked at. Okay, first sponsor is Extreme, Extreme Endurance. John, we've got some good news, haven't we? So I mentioned this last week, the new um, Energy and Recovery Sports Drink, Execute, is out. Um, they wanted to just emphasise that it is only out in North America at the moment. It's not going to be out in um, the EU or anywhere else in the world until uh, later on in the year, sort of late December or the start of next year. Um, so it costs thirty nine ninety five uh, automatic delivery price thirty seven fifty, and you use it either as sort of a pre drink or a um, sort of post drink. So it's uh, prote- it's lactate to fuel your muscles, protein to rebuild and protect against muscle breakdown, and taking execute. 70 to 90 minutes before exercise allows the lactic blood concentration to rise. This allows muscles to utilize lactate as an energy fuel earlier and helps to raise the lactic threshold. By using lactate as a fuel uh, fuel energy source, the blood plasma becomes more alkalizing and helps the body lower its acid pH, thereby raising the lactic acid threshold, which translates into less muscle burn and less muscle soreness. So the deal is, in terms of directions, um, if you're using it for... For energy, uh, you take it 75 to 90 minutes before exercise, and for recovery, um, to decrease your muscle soreness, you take it um, immediately after training, and uh, you mix it in either with cold water or milk, and away you go. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I didn't it? ask, uh, didn't try to figure out what flavour it is, if it's got flavouring or if it's just Do you a know what neutral is, John? What, good flavour. What's, what's good flavour? Um, strawberry for me. Right, yeah. Strawberry, bit of chocolate. Bit of chocolate. Chocolate's good. Yeah. Well, no, cho- not chocolate when you're training, but chocolate pre or post is good. Yeah, although well, I do like a bit of peppermint. When you're out training? Uh, well, I've never had milky products when I'm out training, but... Yeah. Yeah, but people I do like some peppermint-flavoured milk flavours. So I'll do yeah. some research and find out if it's got flavoured, but uh, if you're in North America and you want to get uh, some awesome pre or post training stuff... Get on it. <laughs> get some stuff. And all the details on xendurance.com. Xendurance.com, guys. Check it out and you can get some of this new product. And let us know. First people we actually get some of it, let us know. We'll have to get some John and try it ourselves. We will, indeed. Yeah, because we haven't actually tried it yet. But, um, yes, we had a discussion of the week last week, John, and we were kind of interested to see. We wanted to hear about the, the top age groupers that you knew and real age groupers but run to uh, or race to a real elite level. And we're talking like, you know, nine-hour, sub-nine-hour guys who are actually work, working like a 40-hour week full-on. Yeah. And, you know, maybe even have family and stuff like that. How do they consistently deliver at that level? And we thought maybe we try to hook up some interviews with a few of these people. But, John, um, you're going to have to read them out because that's miles away from me. Oh, Chrissy McKinley started off. She said Albert from, from Coffee's Wife. But Albert's not sub-nine, so he, uh, you know... Oh, and, he's uh, still pretty elite. He, he's elite age group, but he's not 
He's not, he's, he's not harsh. I'm not being harsh. We're asking about pro athletes here. Uh-huh. Um, so, so pick up your game, Christine. Um, Rob Dallymore, Brody Magic. Albert's great. Brody Magic. Now he doesn't actually race uh, pro, I don't think. Um, but he got he was third age grouper overall at the weekend in uh, in Auckland, um, and he goes very close to nine hours on a regular basis. So say he's a, a year ten dean at a low decile school in Auckland. Um, so he, he's. Uh, I reckon he's I can read one, John. I'm going to okay. say Phil Scott Helltel. Oh, and then you move it on me. Oh, oh this is up. so much fun. As far this as I know, great. he's always been a full-time teacher. Consistency and goal focus throughout the year. Mixes up his training and willing to try new ideas after researching them. Sub eight fifty-five. Somehow he also uh, helps train a bunch of age groupers in case he reads this. He's a big girl's blouse. <laughs> so Hal is definitely somebody I'd put in that yep. bracket who's sort of a sub-nine guy, guy whilst working. Uh, Jared Draper says David Mead, a well and truly sub-nine hour athlete from what I understand, even when he raced Ironman as a pro, he still worked at some form or another. Not only is he competitive across all distances, he is also over 40. A hard bugger that emphasises consistency over the years is key. Okay, well, um, Robert Quint- uh, Quintrell, uh, Matt Malloy, oh, we met Matt. Matt yep. was a real nice guy in Australia, and, and kind of owns his own business. Father of four, first year in Ironman with nine oh three in Australia or Austria, sorry, and then nine thirteen in Kona. Very, very dedicated. Huge levels of drive and focus. Blog has when he's got a link to his blog at trytalk.co.uk. So Matt's another guy I'd say elite, elite age grouper. Um, yeah, but uh, Matt Tickner says his coach uh, Simon Finch went eight thirty eight at Challenge Rote and has been a great training partner of mine. Uh, he has a desire and dedication um, to want to perform at that level and train hard week in, week out around a full IT job. Commuting to work year round, regularly through the summer, he chose, he took those dark, cold winter nights and gave him that raw edge that others and the mental toughness to get things done when he needed. Nice work. Nice. Anyone else? Um, okay. Rebecca Jocelyn says Nicole Ward is a professional triathlete who also works as an HR manager for a bank and has won Ironman races and consistently on the podium um, in Australia. Wow, that's great. Michael Egan says Tim Reed doesn't work all the time but does part of the year to support his pro salary. Nice. And last one, Kyle Hooper says um, Kyle Marcote from Canada, um, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, works 40 hours a week as an engineer and put up some very impressive results. Uh, he was a top North American athlete at Ironman Canada in 840. That's sensational. Yeah, that is that is overall. that is proper pro level 840 at Canada, especially. Uh, he's consistently sub nine on the tough course at Ironman Canada and finished top eight nearly every time he has raced there. So that's awesome. So I would there was, say there was actually Chris Hooper who wrote that one through. Chris Hooper. So I'd say Carl Marcote, um, very nice work indeed. How do you think you do it, John? Like you know, like I suppose there's two ways you look at. It. You look at someone like you, who's worked full time in the last kind of you know period of your life, and also been you know a pretty high level athlete. But you've come from an athletic background, you know, not, not taking anything yeah, away from yeah, you, but, yeah. you know, you've been an athlete your whole life. And then, you you know, for guys who maybe start later in the sport to work full-time and to get to that level is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? It is. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's different for the... You've got your, your sort of, uh, as you said, the guys that have come from a sporting background, um, and I don't consider myself a, a high achiever in Ironman, but when I look at guys like... Um, Greg oh, Fr- yeah, but you're, you fit this model. Yeah, but, but, but guys like Greg Frayne, Matt Brick, John Hellmans, they were all elite level um, athletes then they went into full time work and then they kept their level at a very very high level and they were like Greg was working you know silly hours and so does Matt Brick he was a surgeon um, but they were still able to knock out you know sub 9 hour Ironmans um, despite working full time but they came from that background Um, another guy Bevan McKinnon we know from uh, he finished Second, I think at uh, Challenge Wanaka, yep. and and I put him in sort of a bracket where they're sort of the coaches, um, so they get to got a really flexible schedule, and yep. and I'd sort of fall into that um, basket as well. But I think for the guys that do a nine to five, very very hard. Oh, very just very hard. ridiculously hard. So if you don't come from a elite level background in one of the three sports at least, you probably even yeah yeah, it's just. If anybody does it, it's just sensational. It's pretty special. If, if you it? come from a high level background, slightly different story. You can get away with a bit. Yeah. Um, but if you're a developing athlete and coming through the ranks and you're able to do it, it's um, mind boggling. To be honest, you'd be pretty one dimensional, wouldn't you? As a person, mm, you'd yeah. have to be, wouldn't you? You'd have to be very single focused. Well, yeah. Obviously, I knew Gordo and was living with him when he sort of went through that process. Uh, and uh, and yeah, he basically trained and worked 
all he did. Um, and uh, everything was revolved around you know, just getting up, getting to work, getting home, getting training, going to bed mm. every day. Mm. And he got to that level, which is sort of uh, sub nine. Um, eight and a half. Yeah, but that was when he was training full time. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But but yep. he still got. I'm pretty sure he still got to sub nine um, while working. While while working, so that was pretty impressive. And he was yeah. very single focused. So, yeah, yeah. Have you got a wife, family, stuff like that? To, yes, yes. Like Matt Malloy, guy got 901, fantastic. But to get down to being a reasonable level pro, you know, sort of a, a, an eight forty ish, um, blow me away. If you didn't have a strong background and you managed to work your way up to that. Okay, then we're going to have a question here from Mike Hewitson, and he's saying he's still loving the show. Um, and he's basically wrote, written a kind of a big email, but John's kind of highlighted the key point. This guy, I was wondering what you guys, um, and, or what you and the coach think, maybe a discussion a week. Uh, how, how would you plan your kind of qualification if you were a pro? Um, you know, would you race tactically? Because I, I see some of the pros out there, I think Chrissy's sort of saying, oh, yeah, you can race tactically, but some people don't want to. They want to go and do other races. So if you were a pro, and now we've seen the KPR system sort of unravel this year and seen how it's sort of worked for some people and not worked for others, how would you structure your season uh, in order to get you to Kona? Let's, let's assume you're good enough to get there. Uh, but let, let's put some context on it. So, like, are you a top level? Like, if you're a crow, you, well, it's a piece of piss. You just, you know, you turn up to win a couple of races. Let's say you're kind of second tier. Yeah. Okay. So you're second tier pro. So you, you know, you might win a smaller race. You might win mm-hmm. like a Wisconsin yep. or something like that. But you're not going to win Texas or, or you know New York or something like that. The bigger races. Mm-hmm. But you might be able to pull off a top ten, maybe a top five on a really great day in a race like that. Yep. How would you strategically plan your season around that so that you could make sure you get to Kona? You know, and, and get Kona in good shape. Not do the old Mary Beth Alice where you smoke yourself um, by doing. You know, th- yep. th- she, I mean, obviously not taking anything away. She had to to, to do that to get a start um, because she it was she was she was new to Ironman. But get trying to get yourself to Kona to qualify and also to get there to be in reasonable shape to race. Nice. Okay, so that's this week's discussion. John, I was thinking what we should do. We've never done this before, but we probably should do this. Is we should have the end of the year wrap up show. Well, we do the okay. best of the year, the best race performance, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. The highlights for us and, and you know, highlights for you guys, and we'll do the discussion. Maybe we'll do that as the, the week before Christmas, because then we have a holiday after that. Okay, sounds good to me. Okay, then we'll go. I'm not, I'm not going to do music this week, because I'm running out of battery. I think I've got a solution for the non-battery thing, but John. Okay. But anyway, we're going to go, hey, Trevor of the week. week. And it's a good local boy who's going to be, is he, does he live here anymore? Uh, no, he's more down to Needham. Okay, well, good local boy. Yep. <laughs> Rob Creasy is our age group of the week, and um, this is obviously one of John's picks. Why do you think he's so important? Well, also because um, what we've just talked about is the, the working athlete who has... Uh, he's a studying athlete, isn't he? He's a study, studying working athlete. So Rob is the sports scientist for Triathlon New Zealand. Um, he's also doing his PhD down in Dunedin uh, at university down there, and... He is one guy that has not come from a elite level in any of the one sports, but he's worked very, very hard to become the best triathlete that he can be. So last weekend at the uh, race in Auckland, he was first age grouper overall. Really? Um, by much? And, and yeah, by, by a minute. You know, wow. it was a pretty, pretty dominating performance. He, he, he won um, Lake Hood the weekend before that. And he, and he smoked himself there. Two, weeks, uh, two weekends before, and that was a half Ironman. Yes, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about and that. And he smoked himself. Like, he really did smoke himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally didn't leave anything out there. Um, he, he, this year was his first year. I think this year was his first year racing um, Ironman. And he, he did, I'm pretty sure he did Challenge in okay. Australia. Oh, um, on uh, Challenge Kens. And uh, I think he had a bit of a up and down day there. But then he went over to Ironman UK, um, where they did have the short run course. But And he did a great time over there and finished 10th overall, um, which was awesome. And then uh, went over to Kona and did 9.17 on debut in Kona. So first year Ironman athlete yeah. going to 9.17 was pretty good. He was a bit disappointed with that. He was, he was a lot further down the, the rankings in his age group than he would have liked. Um, but I've raced against Rob quite a bit and uh and he has just keeps on improving he keeps like, getting faster and you keep getting slower <laughs> yeah but i mean but that, that being said if, if i'd been really really fit at the weekend um i still think he would have given me a good old spanking yeah. and uh and a couple of years ago you know i was um 
was beating him or at, at the same level as him. So he's he's improving at a really nice rate. And uh, and the reason why I wanted to make him age group of the week is because he is working really hard doing his his study and his sports science work and uh, and doing a bit of other sort of coaching type work. So I would really classify him as a um, a working athlete, even though it's a studying athlete. He's got okay, John, but there is one question, and and I'm, you might be disappointed in this and him. Mm. I noticed last you know Kona mm-hmm. and and Lake Kuda a couple of weeks ago the hair has gone long. The hair has gone long. He's gone. He's gone for probably more than a mully. He's gone for the student look. The student look, John, mm-hmm. and he used to be a short back in size like you, and yeah. you know he's he's let it out. Dunedin's influenced him, hasn't it? Yeah, I think I think he could have gone uh, sub nine in Kona <laughs> if he'd, he'd let that hair go and let a little bit of a uh, little bit of a little bit of heat. Out through the. the that skull. Nice that. You know, Rob's always been a pretty good, good athlete, isn't he? He's never been mm. like a you know slow coach, but it's nice to see a guy like him just keep working at it and keep getting you know improving. Because you know you get to a certain level and, and the improvement gains are so small that a lot of guys even fall off the bandwagon or just lose motivation and always sit around the same place. But it seems as though Rob is keeping on progressing. And it's fair to say that Rob pushes the boundaries in terms of overtraining and uh, and being on on target. He does tend to get a bit. Bit smoked, um, yep. but he's pushing the boundaries, and I'm sure he's using all his sports science knowledge to get the very, very best out of himself. So, Rob Creasy, you are our age group of the week. Okay, next sponsor, John. Good old coffees of Hawaii, and you're going to pop their Facebook page. I am because because uh, they often put you know like like a lot of companies they put sometimes put some specials out there on Facebook. Um, that's not our Facebook page. Oh, John, you went um, from like, Facebook to our page back to Facebook. Ah, uh, well, um, if you go to coffees of Hawaii, obviously just. Or you can find them on Facebook, and you can uh, let's just you go to the homepage, home yeah. page, and then we go click on Facebook, yes, and then we made it. And yeah, what they often do on here is um, obviously we'll announce specials that, that that Albert sends us, but also you know they can often offer specials through here. Like um, they had some specials around Thanksgiving, and uh, and they always put nice pictures of where they're up at their roasting side of things. It's one of those things that if you're on Facebook a lot, which admittedly nowadays I'm not, I've kind of died Facebook, and it doesn't really do it for me anymore, but. If you are on Facebook a lot, um, you know, they just put specials up and it'll pop up on your wall and you say, oh, um, Coffees of Hawaii is a special and so you can just jump on there, grab whatever the special is. They do, you know, things like, you know, if you're the certain member, oh, I'm running out of drawn. Okay. Uh, if you're a certain member of the Facebook fan page, you know, when they had 3,200 members, you could win a prize. So it's things like that. And, if you um, like prizes and freebies, <coughs> make it happen. Check, Get on check, there. check it just out. Give, give them the old I like. And remember, guys, it's coming up Christmas time, and if you are thinking about creative Christmas gifts, it's a really good opportunity to actually think about, you know, right about now because you want to get shipped out to you. But to think of a nice coffee is a really, you know, coffee is one of those things that most people really, really treasure in their life. And, you know, when someone loves coffee, they like good coffee, don't they, John? You do, you do make this in a, a very passionate purchase. Well, it's true because my <laughs> Jo, she loves her coffee. Yeah. And if we go out to a cafe in town, and it's a bad coffee. She lets, mind you, it's not a complaint. She lets you know about yeah, it. She doesn't complain much, but if it's bad coffee, John, she knows about it. Whereas if it's good coffee, she raves about it. And so I kind of think that if you're thinking of a present for someone who's hard to buy for, you can't go wrong with coffees of way, John. That's right. And I am passionate about it, John. Good. Passionate. Good. Passionate person. Capital okay. P. Okay, we're going to actually put a little bit of a pause on here. One, two, three, four, high five. Okay, John, but we've got our high five coming up right now, and it's pretty exciting because John did a race last weekend. We haven't actually talked about your race yet, have we? I'll do that then. Nothing, nothing too exciting to talk about. Oh, apparently it's a mind-blowing experience, but you had a deep-water swim start, and which you don't really do much nowadays, do you? Uh, well, it depends a lot from, from race to race, but this was a slightly interesting one because, it was yes, it was a deep-water start, but it was a multi-wave start, and so, I don't know, we had a wave of... 60, 70 guys, I would, I would imagine. Some waves were maybe up to 100 or so. And um, you, you see on the ITU circuit, they often have pontoon starts, and we had a pontoon start. Um, so you dive in? But the, we, we didn't, but oh. the elites were diving in. We had to have one hand on the pontoon, uh, and you sort of pushed off. Did you so want to dive in? Uh, no, a bit of a risk for... Because diving in carnage for those elite guys? Like, cause you're... Oh, full on. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially, <laughs> what's... what's um, especially full on is when they come out of the swim and then they have to come round and dive in again. And yeah, I was watching someone doing this dump and jump into the water. Their body angle was a bit kind of all over the place. Yeah, but you're putting total faith in the guy in front of you that they're going to dive in and have a really good streamline and push off because if you dive in and they sort of come up straight away, you're going to go straight into the back of them. So cool. diving in is uh, is fraught with, with danger. And in most Ironman races, you're in the middle of, you know, you're way out in the water, you're yeah. kind of paddling along, so here are some tips for that. Yeah, so... Um, 
firstly, what I think a lot of people get wrong when they're they're, they're starting a race is they're they're often sort of standing in the water, just sort of treading treading water, um, and then when the gun goes, you're off and you sort of get yourself up, try to get yourself up to speed. But one thing you learn from your water polo days, if you ever played water polo, <laughs> have you played water polo? Yeah, but everybody Did you really? Water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you hate it? No, it's good. Oh, I'd hate it because people push you down. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's full, you're full contact. It's full contact sport. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Oh, I can handle that. But uh, in water polo, with a, you, know, you, have, you have a swim-off um, at the start of each quarter or half. Or half what, so everyone's at both ends, are they? Yeah, everyone's at both ends, lined up on the pool. And, uh, See, I didn't play water polo. I didn't have yeah. my water polo days. So they drop the, the ball in the middle of the pool, either, with, either just from the... The guy just drops it off the edge, or there's a special thing in the middle of the pool that, that pops the ball up, and it's basically a full-on sprint, you know, um, about twelve and a half meters or so to the middle of the pool, and then you try to flick the ball back to your side. And uh, if you're start starting from a being in a vertical position, then getting yourself up to horizontal, it's, it's game over. So over, you, you really fl- practice. And this is my point number one: it's play about, water polo. It's play water polo. Okay, <laughs> point number two is to to be hor- You need to be horizontal in the water. So that means that. Uh, your, your arms are out front, and, and basically your first stroke, boom, okay, you're, you're John, away. I'm going to be a bit critical here, not critical, but most people when they're starting an Ironman aren't trying to get that off-the-mark start. Well, you should be. You've got to look for every advantage you can get. If it most means, people are going to go, okay, bang, turnover, go. They shouldn't be. That's exactly why I'm doing this advice oh, okay, here, sorry. so that you can get off the mark quickly. If you're in Kona, and if you've got a two-second advantage, you're going to get swum over a lot less than everybody else, get yourself into a nice little group, and enjoy the swim. It's just going to be bliss. So, so point number one is you need to be horizontal, and you want to be a little bit on your side. So basically that means head down in the water, um, just looking to one side, and staying as horizontal as you possibly can. Okay, point number two? Point number two. Was that, we're actually did three because the first point was number Oh, was of to, course. To play water 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 water. Water. So yeah. point number three is did to, you, When you play, did you have the ear things? Oh, yeah, you've got to have those. Otherwise, if you get the ball in the air, um, it's it's pretty painful. Really? Yeah, even if you get the ball in the air when, with those things on, it's still pretty painful. But How, thought, how often did you play? I just play at school, school, you know, um, once a week, training once a week maybe. It's, oh. it's full on. It's hard work. Yeah, I can imagine. Because I was just the only decent swimmer on our team, so I just had to swim around the pool. I wasn't very good at actually playing, but I could swim around and get the ball off people. My and, ex played for New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, she did. Yeah, seriously, it's, really? uh, it's really? bloody yeah. hard. It's, it's hard good. sport. So you never went down and watched her then? Or did we went together. Oh, okay. Then she was, it was in her past life. Okay, she tell me the stories. But um, so point number three is when you're on your side um, to keep yourself sort of buoyant. Obviously, the wetsuit will generally help you, um, or it's non wetsuit swim. It's, it's a little bit harder, but you want to be sort of sculling with your hands um, and then sort of a, a very gentle egg beater with with your with your feet, and that's going to ensure that you actually. Stay up. Um, you can't just lie there, or it's, it was reasonably difficult just to lie there. Um, so you got to do a little bit of sculling with your hands and with your feet, and also to keep you um, in one place, you sort of got to do a little bit of a forward, forward and backward movement. Okay, point number four. Point number four, and this is a key one: is um, by being on your side, you're actually able to create a lot more space for yourself by being sort of horizontal. Uh, so what you do is, is be horizontal um, with your arms. You're trying to make yourself as big as you can. So you can sort of gently sort of push your arms out a little bit and uh, and you just sort of gently nudge people away and it actually ends up creating yourself a lot more space again. So that helps you to get off the line a bit cleaner and not getting, get as beaten up. And likewise, you want to be doing the same with your legs. Is just not you're not trying to kick people or anything like that before you actually start. Um, but you can use your legs just to gently sort of push people out of the way. And as long as you do it gently, people don't get too too sort of angsty about it. So make yourself big. It's a bit like when you are when you're about to get attacked by a, a bear. Aren't you supposed to make yourself look really big? Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Like, is, is this true, or are you sure about that? Did you hear about that lady, that girl who got eaten alive by a bear, mm. and she was ringing her mum, leaving messages? <laughs> the lies. Really? The lies. About three months ago, her mum got all these messages on her phone, and yeah. why the bear's eating her. Oh dear. Yeah. It's not very nice. Yeah. I wonder if she tried to make herself big. Well, I think that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe you Canadian listeners can let us know. I'm pretty sure you're supposed to make yourself look really big. I reckon you're not supposed, be to, the you're not supposed thing. to run away. Really? You're supposed to make yourself look. You wouldn't want to go up a tree either, would you? No. So, uh, so let us know if that's. But, but that's what you want to be doing at the start before you're starting is try to make yourself it's big. Like beer, 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 beer. And make call. yourself big. Create some space. Um, so when it actually comes to getting ready for the start, you're sort of in the starter's hands. You want to make sure that you've got um, one hand out front, so your hands aren't by your side or anything. You want to have one hand out the front, so you're ready to rip that first stroke and get your other arm over and ready for that second stroke straight away because the first. 
20 strokes are absolutely critical. And I know maybe this is, again, targeted slightly more at the elite end, but if everybody can get off the line a bit quicker, um, you're going to be able to hopefully find a bit more free space and just get yourself into a nicer bunch. So one, tip number, what is it, number five, is to have one hand extended out the front. Tip number six is to, and this is a tip that I give to, to especially to my elite guys who are, say, that are racing on the World Cup at the weekend, is the first... Um, few strokes it kind of goes without saying you've absolutely got to rip it and uh, you've got to kick, kick the crap out of it yeah, and it's really, really important that you practice this in training if it's what you plan to do on race day. So, um, got a female athlete, your, your, your friend uh, Annette from, from Auckland. Yeah, um, good friend. Got, she, she was doing a couple of uh, sort of warm up swims. Um, and she, one, one time she, she tried absolutely blasting it off the line and really felt the burn in her legs. Mm. And I said, you know, this is, this is good and this is what, it, is what it's like um, if you want to be doing short course. Not so critical for Ironman. No, you, and if Ironman you really don't want to go there, do you? Well, the thing is, it's like anything. If you do want to go there and if you do want to get a good, fast start off the line, um, you do need to kick hard. You do need to, have to, to go hard. But it's absolutely critical that you practice it in training because otherwise it really, really will burn, burn you up and, and you won't be very efficient at doing it. I so think another thing that's really training. important around that stuff is you've got to make sure you're really well warmed up. Like if you're going to get in the water and not be warmed up and then you just go bang, you know. You, you sometimes don't have the option. At the weekend, we had zero warm-up. That was it. You basically you got called, to, called down to the line, you got to jump in, and you had basically about one and a half minutes to actually get yourself into your position on the line. So there was zero warm-up. So yes, you need to be warmed up on the on the sidelines as best you can. Yeah. Um, but in a lot of instances these days, you, can't, you, you don't, don't have the opportunity to warm up even even though it's the best thing for you. Okay, what's tip number seven? Tip number seven is, um, this is a mistake you're seeing a lot of people, is the first 50 metres or so, if you want to get off to a really good start, um, you need to, to keep your head down and not do too much sighting. You see some people, you know, they might do four or five strokes at the start of the swim, and then they start sighting after sort of four or five strokes. You really want to be giving, it, giving yourself a, at least 25, I'd say um, more optimally around about 50 metres, where you're really just getting your head down and you're just going for it, and then you start assessing after the first sort of 50 metres or so. Um, if you're trying to be tactical and you know some other people racing, then you obviously want to be starting around them. But if you really start sighting a lot in the first you know, 50 metres, whenever you sight, your hips drop down a little bit, you're going to lose you know, half a second or so here and there. Um, what you want to do is have a really good look at where you're going and that first 50 metres, really try to blast it off the line and then start assessing where the feet are, where the groups are. Um, I would also say that if you only breathe to one side, um, you often want to position yourself a little bit further to one side or the other. So I, I generally only breathe to my left. Same. Um, so bilateral breathing is preferable, but let's be realistic, I, I, I don't do it a lot. I can do it, but I prefer to breathe to one side. So usually... Every two, every two strokes? Uh, two or four. Um, so usually I'll try to position myself a little bit further to the right um, so I can see what action is sort of happening over to my left. Um, so there's another little tip for you. So there you go, some uh, some deep water start tips. Oh, good stuff. Okay, well, there you go. So And also play water polo. Do you think if you wore a water polo cap, an Ironman would be good for you? Because you do get no. bashed a little bit. You do, but um, I think the main the reason you wear the, the thing is so you know, if you get the ball full on thrown at your oh, ear. You a face think, plant. Did you ever get a face plant? Um, I'm sure I probably did. I don't recall, but Ooh, I'm sure. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. It's, uh, those balls are hard, man. They're really hard. Yeah, <laughs> Do you get sore arms? Uh, you just get generally tired. It's pretty, you know, it's just sprint, stop, sprint, stop, sprint, stop. So it's, um, it's, it's a hard sport. Maybe we should have the annual IM talk. Water polo <laughs> match. That's right. Okay, quickly, website of the week. Um, just find a moment when John is talking up ITU and bring up this out the back of your pocket. It shows you just how the elite ITU women really are, how good they are. Um, the number of casualties and women on crashes, I think at least seven. And basically it's, is it the one where they're trying to basically transition, is it? Yeah, so it's really showing how bad, transitions. bad they are at the, at the elite ITU level, how bad some of these females are. Um, and this was actually taken yeah, from the London World Championship Series race and uh, basically shows the, the YouTube clip. coming out of transition. This is the front of the swim that we're, we're watching right now. And uh, first couple of girls, Laura Bennett looks like she's first onto the bike and she gets away quite nicely. She's a 
very um, very professional professional and she's away, does the leap of faith and she's onto it. But then we see a lot of the other girls that are top, some of the top girls in the world, one's lost a shoe, another one's zigzagging all over the place, another one's about to ride into a set of cones and then we actually get one girl <laughs> who, who just completely missed her pedals full stop and just fell straight on the ground and she looks like she's, um, I'm not going to say where she's from. Um, cause Great, Britain. Great Britain. Great Britain. Oh, and then another one just rode into another girl and just completely cleaned her out and she lost her shoes and then she got back on her bike and then she crashed into the barriers. So, and there's another one who just dropped her bike and her bike just went running away. And this, this is front pack. Oh, it's comedy of errors. Front pack of ITU World Championship. So it shows whilst we... The one who rode into the, the, to the barrier is still fixing a bike up. And, oh, uh, that's high quality. I think it really does show, whilst I sort of talk up the sports, so internationally awesome we are, um, this, it's just, it's schoolboy errors. Um, yeah, but wait a second, this is, is this the one with Peter Reid? And this is. And so, so this is like wrote you, you, about 1996, sorry, and he's coming out of transition. <laughs> he has a mere... So we'll have, we'll have these two clips up. They're both um, ones off Euro. <laughs> Sport and this is Peter Reed fairly early in his career, but yeah, he's got the two um, bottle cages on the back of his bike. Can't get his leg over the top. And can't can't get his leg over, and he tries it. <laughs> <laughs> and he tries it, and he, and he loses the bottle. And then he's running around on the spot trying to find his bottle again. And then uh, you think he would have just got on there without trying to do the run. And thing. then he tried tried it again, and he fell off again. Yeah. And then he finally gets on. He's got no no hydration for the start of the ride. He's he's on one of the uh, soft ride bikes, and those are the ones that don't. Why why did they no longer? Be, what was because they were kind of the thing for a while, weren't they? Melina used to have one. Yeah. Well, John Hellmans was riding one at the weekend. Um, it's not that they were a bad bike or anything. It's just. What they needed to be doing is they needed to have say five. They needed to go right. We're going to put the best five guys in the room. Oh, okay. He's never got big enough. Would have taken off. Greg Welsh used to ride one. I think the year he won Kona, um, he rode one. Uh, so I can't comment. I never rode on one myself. But the guys that rode them said they were comfy. And um, well, the idea was that because they bounce more, there's less shock going through your body. Mm. Yeah. So. Melina rode one when, when I first started training. Yeah, yeah, Melina used to have one. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the guys that rode them said they they really liked them. Uh, I, I never saw any research. A lot of people thought, oh, maybe the bounce you start you start to um, lose the power that you're putting through uh, that it's not going into the pedals yep. that you're losing that. I never saw any research to say that. I just think it's one of those things that um, if you want these different things to take off, how do you make them happen? You just go and sponsor all the pro athletes. Why, yeah, well, it's why easy does, to the number. Why, why does everybody think that compression socks have, have, have cranked it? Yes, we now know that they actually feel good, but early on... John, the, it's the, fashion. The, yeah, the reason why people, everybody wants to wear them is because they... Um, Avon was wearing them at first. Yeah, because all the pros are wearing Why did everybody go onto, Seva- onto, um, Hello? No, onto Cervelo or Kyoto bikes? Because Norman was riding them and all the yeah. tops are riding them. Yeah, it's just, so what it's you're marketing. saying is we're suckers? Totally. <laughs> yeah, if, if so, that's what you really think, John. I bet you, if Soft Ride came out and they've got the, the five of the top ten Ironman athletes in the world sponsored them, they would crank it. So we want the secret sauce, but it's just a lie. It really just comes down to athletic ability. Do you think the Shiv had a big influence on Crowe winning? Uh, not as big as people are making out. You don't? No, not at all. He improved his riding. He showed that in. Uh, at um, the 70.3 Worlds, he was riding a Cervelo there, and he had a sensational ride there, and he was on a Cervelo. So you can't tell me that when he went from the Cervelo to the, the Shiv, it had a gigantic... Well, um, I think Mishimano's saying it, it did. Well, I'm sure they will be, and I would be too if I was in their shoes. Okay, so John. He's 13 minutes quicker, he went. He's 13 minutes quicker, that all because he was amazing. on a different bike. I tell you what, but yeah, they're selling a few bikes. Exactly. The, the question is, John, have you ever had any epic fails coming out of transition? I don't think so, no. Don't think so. I had an epic fail coming out of the movie theatre. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was at the movie theatre and I was young girls there and, you know, you were, you know, I was a bit of a flirt. Yeah. And I was doing a little bit of a cheesy smile flirt and, yeah. and then went to get on my bike, jumped my leg over and I missed yeah. it and fell over. Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. And you should do a high five on how to mount your bike in fully clothed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was, I think I was just trying to be cool. I did the running start jump, and, I, and my legs missed the bar. And, Shouldn't be cool. Yeah, didn't pick up those chicks, I tell um, you. So I did, I did a little bit of a segment, I think it was episode 251, on how to correctly mount your bike so you don't look like Peter Reed and you don't look like the ITU girls. Uh, I think it was episode 251, so if you want to listen up to that, check it out. Okay, John, it's sponsor is Athlinks, and you got what do you got? Compete, calm, connect. 
compete claim. Committee. Oh, sorry. So you go there, you do your race, you claim your 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 result on Athlinks, and then you connect to the community. And your one thing I was going to talk about was uh, I'm just I'm, I'm, I just don't have the fluidity that you have, Bevan. I'm not even on Athlinks yet. I'm I'm, I'm getting there now. Um, You'll learn. But you're just making sure that you get on there and you actually put your results up there because that's what makes uh, the Athlinks community sort of work is that people need to contribute. Athlinks aren't going to be out there chasing all the results and knowing every single event that goes on around the world. Um, you just need to get on there, submit your results, and away you go. So much like when you get home from a race. You just quickly go on the athletes, it only takes a couple of minutes, lock it in, check it out, put it on there. Lock it in, Eddie. But I think the key thing as well is putting it in pre-race as well, and then they've got it and it's loaded on the system, and then it will automatically go out there and um, pick up the results. They do usually take you know a week to 10 days before they actually put the results up there because there's always so many changes. So um, they've now got the new system that if you put it into your um, diary, if you say, right, I'm doing Ironman, XYZ coming up, uh, then you can put it on there, and now they've sort of got a waiting list, and you can click on that. And while the the results are still being calculated, um, they'll say right, there's, there's 156 people waiting for these results as well. And once they're up, they'll they'll let you know. So get on to athlinks.com, get all your results up there, and you. And it's just a great way to keep track of all the rest of you have doing. And it's one of those things where, you, if you don't do it today, you'll regret it tomorrow, eh? because mm-hmm. it's one of those things where. You know, like we, if you're doing, if you're an athlete, you tend to race quite a lot in a year. And I know I mean, you know, may not do so much, but you might do a lot of cycle racing or, or smaller triathlons or run races and stuff like that. And you know, you tick these races off, and it's one of those things where you know, like you get to the end of your career and you don't remember half the races you did. But if you'd done this every time, you'd be, you'd be really pleased that you had. And for the guys that are racing at the moment, who they've got the new system um, where it sort of tries to predict. Your, what sort of percentile you'll finish in your age group at um, your chosen races? If, if any of you guys are, are playing, looking at that, um, let us know how how accurate it's ended up being. Maybe put a post up on our, our Facebook page because it's all statistical. Um, but we'd be interested to see if it's uh, if it ends up working out um, as as predicted. So we know Torsten's stuff. You know, predictions are great, but sometimes people have off days. Sometimes people have big big leaps in well, performance. There, there are only predictions, John. There are predictions, John. We can't do questions and answers. Okay, we're running out of time. Okay. Okay, so let's just go sponsors. We're not going to do them even after. This is going to be a short show. How long is the show going to be? Oh, a bit now. Will it? Yep. Okay. We've got, well, we've got 10 minutes to wrap it up. Okay. And that's going to be a seven minutes answer. Okay. So we can't. Mike Hood, we're coming to you next week. Coming to Mike Hood next week. I think you got bumped last week, too. Oh, Mike. Oh, yeah, that's a more than a 10. That's a 15 minute answer, that okay. is. Okay. Be really Mike Hood because it's a good answer. Sponsors are coffeesofwai.com. <clears throat> like him. Athlinks.com. Um, connect, claim, and no compete. Compete, claim, connect. connect. Good. Did you, go. you make that up? No, it's on the website. Uh-huh. And, yeah. uh huh. And extreme endurance. And get the new the execute. New, execute. Execute your training and recovery. Execution. Okay, John. What's the goss? So uh, you had your race last weekend. Tell me about it. Yes. So ended up getting second in my age group, um, which was sort of I knew I, I was. Pretty confident I wasn't going to win. He had Based sh- on sh- how, how much did he beat you by? Uh, a couple of minutes, two or three minutes. He was pretty sick as a dog. And, uh, yeah, he still smoked you by a couple of minutes. Still smoked you by a couple of minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, well, what was challenging for me was it was a 51.50 kilometre individual time trial. So I, I, I listened to my own advice, blasted off the line. Nobody laid a finger to... 51.50? What do you mean? It, it was 51.5 k's of individual time trial. On the bike? No, the whole way. <laughs> you know, because Sheldrake gassed it off the line. He started in a different position to me, so I didn't even get on his feet. And uh, and so I used my my tips to get it, my deep water start tips to get off the well, line. It didn't work. It did because. Uh, oh, did you lead the swim? Well, I was second out of the swim because I, I can't keep up with him anyway. So he, and he he started you know thirty meters down from me. So blasted off why, the line. Why didn't you get beside him? I didn't see him, so I didn't know where he was. Oh, that's the first tip. Find out where your competitors well, are. I, I normally do that. Um, <laughs> but, but, it cost you the race. It, it, it didn't. Uh, it didn't get a finger laid on me in the swim, and as I sort of expected... Um, so wait, were people no, on your toes? Yeah, well, I was swimming along, there was two guys next to me, and I thought, Gut, right, I've had enough of this, and just blasted it. Nice. Uh, Smoke him. And, and then I, th- I think one of them tried to jump on my feet. And one thing with, the, with this sort of racing is, is a lot of wave starts, and so within, you know, we started... 
two or three minutes behind some some females in front of us. Uh, so we were catching them pretty quickly, and then we came to the first group. I, I swam the other guys into them. Oh, <laughs> so nice! And then I ducked around, did you? I swam at them, and then I ducked around. A real challenges for me was I could not see the swim boys. I was totally swimming blind. Um, so I was just swimming along, trying to see people swimming in front. Because so I what, couldn't see what, what, what was the distances? Fifteen hundred meters. Oh, swim. so I was going to put. So it was you know yep. seven hundred meters. How long did so. it take you? Uh, 21 high so um, well I was pretty comfortable in the swim I could have pushed could have pushed harder but um, you were never going to beat Sheldrick yeah so I was just I probably took it a little bit easy on myself it was pretty comfortable and uh, and my time so go down swim good transition uh, I, I put, tried to put my helmet on and my still had my cap and goggles on on my, oh, my head. So oh, it was nice. a bit of a bit of a rookie mistake. Um, <laughs> I think when I looked at my transition split, it was fair, it was sort of competitive in my age group. Could have been a little bit better. Onto the bike, as I said earlier in the show, brilliant bike course, smooth roads, um, just a bit of climbing. Where do you go? Sending. You go up Gladstone Road, so a little bit of flat, and then you go up Gladstone Road, then you come down, you've got a couple of other kickers um, after that, and then you go up the waterfront, two laps, 20 k's, and, you know, it felt better than what I did a couple of weeks earlier in Ashburton, Um, felt like I was riding easier, but but at the same time riding quicker, but total full-on individual time trial, nobody passed me whatsoever. So there was no one even around you? Well, no, I was passing a lot of people from the earlier wave starts, yep. but they, they were slower Did than you me. try ducking behind to get a bit of draft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some people don't understand that we, we had to do some one section on the right-hand side of the road, two, quite a big section on the right-hand side of the road, yep. so it's American style. People don't understand, despite being told in briefing, when you're riding on the right-hand side of the road, you keep to the right, not to the left. Yeah. So I was just riding along, not trying to be a, an asshole or anything like that. Well, we've had lots of complaints, John. People have been emailing going, me that John used to be, he's a, he's a pain in the butt. Keep right, you know, because you, if you're passing on the inside, it's just, it's just dangerous. And so they were... Bevan, don't, yeah. don't start. It was getting pretty frustrating. To be honest, if you weren't so angry, you probably would have been in Drake, I reckon. Exactly. It was a waste of energy there. Um, got off the bike? Got off the bike. Good transition? Reasonable transition. Good. Um, and off the run. Felt good on the run and uh, and just ran a good run. But again, when what you run, What did you run in 10 in? Well, I, was a bit, I, I thought I would have run faster. I only ran 36.30, which, mm. uh, which is not particularly fast. The run times were not particularly quick but it sounds like a guy sent me a gps file and it was 10.04 kilometers pretty so accurate pretty accurate uh so yeah so finished when I, initially when i finished pretty pleased with how it went um potentially could have pushed a little bit quicker when the results came out i was a little bit more disappointed finished but further down the field than i than i would have hoped okay john so the big question is you've got a year Joe Drake's two two minutes, a little bit six, probably three and a half minutes in front yeah. of you. Realistically, yeah. can you get the three and a half minutes back? Well, I've decided. Come on, Joe Drake, no, he's taking you down. I'm ta- I'm, I've taken a different path now. I'm not going to race worlds now, Bevan. I've, I'm taking a different path. What, so you, what did, are you going to become did, a polo did, player? I'm going to become a water polo player. <laughs> so I, I, I flagged. It. I didn't. I didn't feel that I could. I'd sort of decide. Oh wait a second, you're not going to race it. No. What's all that about? I've changed my mind. What do you mean? I've changed my mind. You're like every time to change your minds. So I didn't really feel that I could get to where I wanted to get and I've just got a few a few other things going on so I just thought I'm going to let that let, let somebody else have the opportunity really so you didn't take your slot no no you get second in the nation yeah you're the second best at yeah. what age are you 35 39 second best 35 to 39 year old and you didn't take it no wow. let somebody else have the opportunity if I change my mind there's always a second chance to go, go, go and race Wellington but right now is it just because you show Drake you, know, you can't beat him no not really no just to, to be as fast as I want to be I'll need to put in you know 15 hours a week sort of training, or 12 to 15, and at the moment, you know, I can't even do, you know, I generally do maybe five or six, so it's, it's a matter of finding time and whether I... You whether, didn't whether, whether dream, I, No, I'm not. I'm going to go run some fast marathons. Albert Boyce, that time's going down. Uh, I can do six to eight hours training of running and, uh, and put on a competitive run. Can't do that in triathlon. Uh, so well, we're so going to have, have, have to have a pause here. Are you going to go up to the Worlds? Yeah, definitely go and watch. No, we're going to do... We've got five minutes. Let's wrap it up. No, we've got... No, we've got, we've got to... We've got to be prepared for our interview. I'm prepared. I'm prepared before I came around. Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, yep, we got, yep, we're doing Spencer Smith. We've got, we've got Legends of Triathlon starting. I'm going to go. You've just got to ask me what I'm doing. Okay, what are you doing, Bevan? Wow. <laughs> well, one more question. i got one more question for you. Where do I start? I'm off to the jail today. Yes, that's exciting for yes, you. Yes, I go out to the youth jail and I, I speak to the New Zealand's 10 worst offenders. Right. Yeah, underage dudes. And they're actually really nice kids. They've just had a pretty hard life, so... I'm off to do that. Uh, we bought ourselves a barbecue. I told you about that, did yes. I? Yes. Well, yeah. first test of the barbecue last weekend, John. Yes. I'm not much of a barbecue, to be honest. Don't prick the sausages. Don't, don't prick the sausages. No. Why? Oh, my goodness comes out of them. 
It's criminal. Really? Yes. But don't you use that to kind of help no. put a bit of fat on the tray? No, no. You don't prick your sausages. Wow. Okay, I'll try that. Yeah. Well, I did prick them. No, it's bad. Why? It's, all the goodness comes out. But, okay. So, Trust me. Wow. They'll taste okay. better. They'll taste well, better. I was slightly concerned because, you know, you know how men stand around the barbie, you know, mm. and the chicks are doing the chick thing and the men. So all the boys stand around the barbie. And, and, and you know, it was my first time really ever doing a barbie. Crikey, I, yeah, well, I've done a couple of bangers in my time, but like real meat, yeah. you know, like the steaks and all that yeah. kind of stuff. It was crip Monday, to be honest. And I, you know, I wanted to make, you know, you know, when you're trying to be confident, but you haven't got confidence. Uh-huh. I was living in that place. Uh-huh. So I was, you know, I did the bangers and I, I did prick them, John. Hopefully they weren't judging me. Sure, they were. If you, if you were there, you would have been, oh, it's amateur, amateur hour. I would have taken over. Yeah, you would. <laughs> I was given here. And so, and, and I didn't want to ask questions, but I did ask, oh, should I put the steaks on now just once? One guy said, yeah, yeah, now's the time. He knew I was a bit of an amateur. Yeah. He, was, he, was look, he was looking after me. And I, so I did that all the rest of it. The heat even had kebabs, and mm. it was all on. Mm. I was at the barbie for probably a good half an hour or so. Half an hour? Would that be right? No, it's a long time. It's a full investment of your your afternoon. Oh, okay, probably probably a good two hours in time yeah, yeah. at least. And uh, put the meal out. Guess what? Nailed it! Nailed it. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, this meat's been cooked to perfection." Medium rare. Yes, right. yes. And you watch the you watch it. So you turn one side and you watch it cook up the middle, don't you? And then you turn it over. There's debate. I was there was some discussion at the weekend when I was uh, up in Auckland about the, the 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 steak cooking technique because tradition says that she just do one side once once each side. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, which is what you what what, what I always thought. Yes, well, that's, that's what I've been taught. This the person I was staying with saying right, there's a bit of research out there now saying you just constantly keep flipping it and oh, actually really? get a better one. Yeah, get a better finish. So I'm going to try that next time. Okay, we well, have to give me an update because I'm mm. just I'm I'm a ba- be barbecue 101 right now, mm. and obviously you're like you know you got your doctor in. Yep. Yeah, you know, yep. you're looking for that next level. Worked hard for that doctor. Yeah, you did too. Okay, we're going to actually interview Spencer Smith right now. So that's this week's show. And Legends of the Triathlon gets released when December. First. Which is in another two weeks or a week and a half from now. We'll, do, we'll maybe do a little teaser some stage. Next week. Yes. Again, I'm Ross. I'm Mino. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.